We finally have a football schedule to play this fall for TCU and the rest of the Big 12. Plus, TCU has some staff openings. I wonder if, Melissa, maybe you or I should apply for either of them. Um, On top of that, TCU Hoops is on a three-game winning streak in conference play. We talk a little men's basketball, Mount Rushmore, and Frogball USA started practice a couple days ago. We're going to get into all of that and maybe a little bit more on this episode of Frogs Insider. Let's go. Welcome in to Frogs Insider. I am Jamie Plunkett alongside Melissa Shreedwasser. As always, very excited to be back for another episode, episode 51 of the show. Wow. So we, you know, we've been cruising through these things in a little less than 10 months, 51 episodes. Isn't too shabby. Feels just like yesterday, Jamie. Well, it was just yesterday. No, I'm kidding. It's been a lot of yesterdays for the last 12 something years at this yeah. point, basically. But uh we are the Frogs Insider Podcast. We're part of the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Republic of Football Network. Thank you to DCTF for their partnership with us. Very thankful for them. Um, great business partners, great partners in general. Wonderful football brand in the state of Texas that we love, love, love. Um, also, big shout out to Hell's Half Acre Stadium Goods and Home Field Apparel, our lovely sponsors for being a part of the show. Very thankful for both of them as well. Um, We'll talk more about them later on in the episode. But Melissa, we got a lot of stuff to dive into. I I was putting the run sheet together earlier today and was like, holy cow, we could go for like two and a half, three hour episodes. So I figured we just make this a super long one. Yeah, I might take a nap in the middle if that's cool. Um, but sure. I'm sure you can. I'll let You're you two hours behind me, but yeah, you can take the nap. You can. Listen, you can take the nap. Listen, I just came off of a week long retreat with you know sixty high school senior girls. It's going to take me three weeks to recover emotionally and physically, and I think that that's fair. Okay. Yeah, you do deserve the nap. You do deserve yeah. that. You, do, you my also wife, have children, though, too. So Well, I mean, here's the thing. My wife took our oldest to a church retreat over the weekend and came back, and she immediately took, like, yeah, a three-hour nap. Yeah. So being yeah, with yeah. kids away from home is just different. Yes, it's, it's, just, it is different. Just more exhausting. It just it's, it's, the, it's the fact of the situation. But we're going to talk a little TCU schedule. We're going to talk about some open positions on the staff that are non-coaching positions that have opened up recently and what could happen with both of those, plus men's hoops, like I said in the intro, is absolutely firing on all Rolling. cylinders right now. It has been quite the roller coaster through the first eight conference games, and uh, we're going to get into that a little bit. I posted a question on Twitter mm-hmm. that I thought was really fun after uh, I stole it from Parker in the group text, and he yelled at me about it, uh, yep. about who's on your Mount Rushmore for for men's basketball. Um, got some really good answers and some really funny answers. Uh, that we can talk about and then like I mentioned in the intro as well baseball's underway practice got started Um, and I've been seeing some folks at the national level and one former TCU head baseball coach banging the drum for pitchers and catchers reporting early Mm -hmm. uh, that that should be a rule so maybe we can dive into that a little bit as well but Melissa let's start with football 2024 football schedule came out this week finally yeah it's been forever Last conference, I think, to release yeah. 
their the, the um, schedules. The anticipation was building with bigger. Ambition. That's definitely why they did it. That's definitely was mm -hmm. the reason uh, that they that they did that. Um, but here is TCU's schedule. I think it's pretty favorable Not for a the lot frogs. Of for me um, for the first time in a while first observations really weird not seeing texas or oklahoma on there yeah that's going to take some getting used to really cool seeing utah back on there and having arizona on there as a conference schedule so let's go ahead and let's just knock out the month of september first and uh, then we'll kind of keep going well yeah. really starting in august because yeah. august 30th that's a friday night tcu travels up to your neck of the woods so and excited. they play the tree of Stanford, the singular tree of Stanford. This one. We've been talking about this football game years. for quite a few years now because yeah. uh, what was it? COVID year. There was supposed to be a game up there and we were all making plans to come up yeah. and, and go to Cali. Yeah. Yes. A game on my birthday. All I've ever wanted, but and not to be. All it took was a global pandemic yeah, to shut that idea down. Ruin my party. So TCU gets their season underway with the trip to face ACC powerhouse yeah. Stanford. So weird. Never going to uh, feel right. Big 12 ACC matchup. Classic. Um, and then they then they have uh, a week. They play an FCS team. This, all right. So I'm going to just run through these really quick. At Stanford on August 30th, which is a Friday. Then they come home against Long Island University on September 7th. The following week on the 14th, they're home against UCF. Then they travel to SMU on September 21st and then to Kansas on September 28th. That's the first five games of the season right there. And that game at Kansas will be held at Arrowhead Stadium, which is unbelievably cool. Oh, and, yes. And I know. Yes. Yeah, we'll dive into that. I'm sure I want to start. I, I want to get there in a second. I want to talk about this non-conference schedule first. Yeah. And this is, I think, we've talked about it a couple times on the on the show previously when people were asking, why did TCU cancel the series with SMU moving yeah. forward? Or just say, we're not rescheduling any more games moving forward. It's for situations like this. There should never be an instance where TCU is playing two road non-conference games in the yeah. same season. It should never happen. And the way SMU wants the schedule to go is to alternate home and home. Well, it's a pretty big challenge to always find a P5 or really a P4 opponent that can come to Fort Worth every single season. So you'd rather schedule your home and home games with quality opponents. Sorry, SMU. Um, and then find another team that's willing to maybe come do a one-off or a two for one in Fort Worth, right? So we see Arkansas State on the schedule a couple of years from now. I've been banging the drum for Tulane yeah. to maybe get one of those two for ones. Um, but this is this is a situation where TCU fans uh, will only get one non-conference game at home, and it's Long Island University. Yeah, and that, that just that should never be a, a situation that we see moving forward. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to play 11 of your 12 regular season games against now Power 4 opponents, like you said, it is it is a disservice for one of those games to be on the road, even if on the road is just 
you know, 30 miles or whatever it is. Um, and, you know, I think obviously there's still a lot of questions about what the future of college football looks like when it comes to realignment and, and how this might all shake out down the line. So in hindsight, I think it like as much as I will to a degree miss this series, um, it was a really heady play by Donati, even just a couple of years, probably before we really knew how big of an impact that series would have on TCU's schedule um, to go ahead and kind of pause that contract for the time being because, you know, it hurts season tickets. Um, it it makes your schedule a little bit tougher, but there's very, very little reward. Um, I mean, who knows how good SMU will or won't be this year, but I think we all expect them to, to the day-to-day the -day grind of playing in a Power Four conference um, when they, you know, couldn't handle Boston College um, is going to, to have them struggling in year one at least um so there's not any perceived plus to playing at smu in 2024 no and and especially moving forward because you're gonna still have the unbalanced conference schedule in the big 12 where you're gonna either have five home games or four home games in a given year in conference and especially in those years where you only have four conference home games you're going to need to have at least yeah. two, if not all three of your non-conference games at home to make it worthwhile to your season yep. ticket holders. Yep. And that's the biggest challenge here is TCU got lucky that in 2024, they have five Big 12 home games because they have Central Florida, they have Houston, they have Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, and Arizona all coming to Fort Worth. But if that hadn't been the case, then you're talking about a five home game season ticket package which yeah, is almost unsell. unsellable at yeah. the cost that you are asking people to pay, especially the, the club seat folks and the suite folks and everybody else who truly fund the majority of things at TCU, um, asking them to pay a, a pretty penny for only five football games. One yeah. of which would be long Island is yeah, which is a hard be, sell. Yeah. Not going to be a good, good game, but Hey, we opened the road for a game that we mentioned at the top here. I've been incredibly excited for Stanford, like everybody's going to want to crap on Stanford. They were not very good last year, but I think what we saw out of that team um, in the first year under Troy Taylor, who was jumping up from the FC FCS ranks at Sacramento State, um, he built a tough team that's going to compete. They were short on talent. Um, I think they'll be a lot more talented this year. They're they're he's really fighting to be able to get more portal players in. It's not like they had a massive haul, but I think it's some crucial spots and they were able to address it. I don't expect Stanford to be too much competition hopefully for tcu but um i'm gonna go ahead and yeah but who knows yeah we're five we were five and seven what, what do we have to say um but i do want to just take a moment and spend some time on the california board of tourism affairs um and tell everybody <laughs> listen i i am struggling here because i am looking at this schedule and i don't want to jump ahead too much and i'm saying well i'm absolutely going to the stanford game obviously right like i've got mm -hmm. and, and look i just want to tell people hey Tickets, I got you. I'm not paying for them, but if you need, if you want to sit with groups, I got. No, you heard it here first. I got Melissa Trebowasser buying yeah. your tickets All to the TC Stanford um, game. But but please hit me up if you if you want to know where to sit. I got I got a guy. Um, if you're planning, oh, the great thing about this being, I know it sucks on a Friday night on the West Coast. It's an extra day off of work. I get that, but I'm telling you, it frees you up for an entire three day weekend to go wine tasting. Please hit me up mm. on Twitter at the Coach Melissa. Um, I have strong opinions. <laughs> on napa and the wineries and the restaurants you need to eat like legitimately like i get offended when people don't ask me for help on this kind of stuff so please hit me up i would love to be your norcal tour guide uh you want to hit the redwoods you want to see the winchester mystery house you want to go to half moon bay like 
I am I am here for my TCU Frog Fam uh, to be your unofficial tourism guide for the state of California. That is going to be an unbelievable atmosphere. Um, Stanford students aren't going to be there yet, so they're not going to be rocking that joint. But that stadium is absolutely picturesque. We'll be there. It's it's sunset. Um, cannot recommend going to that game enough for TCU fans looking to travel. It's tough because I'm also looking at this and saying, well, I'm absolutely going to the Utah game because that's an easy one for me to go to. And sure. there's no way I am missing TCU playing at Arrowhead. So, like, where am I going to a home game this year? I don't know. I, it, it's probably going to happen. But if well, I'm I already mentioned it. Games, I already mentioned it. Long Island's coming to town. That's okay. Long Island is so cannot miss premier matchup right there. Yeah, cannot miss. Go Sharks. We know it'll be. We know it'll probably be a night game at least on ESPN Plus, but that's fine. That'd be great. At least we know that. That'd be great. Yeah, it'll probably be one of those games that Mark Followable gets to call, which I love him as a play-by-play broadcaster. If you don't know, and you're listening to this, he's the Dallas Mavericks play-by-play guy, Um, and he's he's awesome. Doesn't matter the sport, he's so 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 good at it. so it's, 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 you know, it's, it's one of those, but I say like, looking at that schedule, like even with the the three road games there, um, you know, I fully expect Kansas to be a legit contender. Um, mm-hmm. I do, we, I don't know that we ever like followed up on this, but I did take the over and I did say Kansas would be good this year. I believed in them. Um, and I stuck by my guns, even when um, uh, Jalen Daniels got hurt, they bring a lot, they lose a lot, but they bring a lot back too. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're going to be good, but, but this schedule sets up the first month of the schedule sets up really well for TCU to be in a good spot. We said this a year ago, did not work out, but potentially, potentially you could have, you could have a, a solid start, a three and one, you would hope a four and no start. I think, I think anything less than four and would be a tough pill for TCU fans to swallow, especially if that L comes at the hands of at SMU. I think that would be a little bit of a challenge. Um, but there's certainly some opportunity to, you know, playing at a power five team is never an easy way to open the season. But again, Stanford's environment is not known for being raucous and overly uh, tough to play in for opposing uh, teams, especially in August right. when the students are back. So um, I think I think it's a nice opening to the season, um, all things considered. And and getting UCF um, early, I think, is going to be much better than getting them late um, as they look to replace some key uh, talent as well. For sure. And I think that this is a really fun start to the schedule. I just wish that there was more home game consistency because yeah. you look at this sure. and it it's really, uh, I mean, it's split, right? So you have three home games in the first half of the season and three home games in the back half of the season. But with bye weeks included, you're talking about only having three home games yeah. halfway through October. Right. I mean, you're on the road. You've got uh, four road games in a bye week and your fourth home game comes October 26th against Texas Tech. That's a that's not a lot of home games happening early on on this schedule when you've only got six to play with. Anyways, you know, it, it feels like even fewer. I'm very excited. So we've already kind of talked about it a little bit, but the last game in September, September 28th at Kansas will be at a very popular football stadium where we've all seen Taylor Swift sitting in the suites. Yeah, do you think do you think she's coming for this one? Maybe. Maybe maybe, maybe. she and Travis will both be there cheering on obviously the Horn Frogs because you know who got a shout out on Travis and Jason Kelsey's episode of New Heights this week. That would be TCU. I didn't even hear it. Because Travis was talking about Travis was talking about summer workouts with some of the guys 
around the NFL that he really, really liked, including a guy named Zay Flowers, who may or may not have fumbled in their game on Sunday. Sorry to my one Baltimore Ravens friend who's probably yeah. listening to this and raging right now. Um, but he said, you know, I worked out with Patrick and Zay and a bunch of other guys at TCU over the summer. And I just thought that was really cool yeah. for him to shout out TCU because pro, pro athletes like to – Taylor Swift's boyfriend likes to work out at TCU. I do love that Patrick Mahomes works out at TCU when he's in Texas. I do love that. And I know there's a lot of other reasons why, but I do love that. Uh, but, yeah, I, th- I, mean, I think that Arrowhead game is is killer. Um, that's that's a sick thing to get to watch your team do playing in a pro stadium. It's a cool experience. And playing in a pro stadium that's serving as a collegiate home game, um, I think, is, is going to be really fun. So that And it's at a time of year where it's reasonable to not mm-hmm. be miserable. Um what we're hoping for now, and it's a while before we'll know this, but what we're hoping for now is maybe the Chiefs play a Sunday afternoon game on Sunday. I doubt that'll happen, but that would be very would be very a nice cool. little double header. It would be a nice can I, nice, and can, I, I can I can I just say one thing real quick? Yeah. Patrick Patrick Mahomes works out at TCU for the same reason that tech grads move to DFW. Ooh, you are right. Lubbock Lubbock sucks. Yeah. There you go. It's hard Let's to get it. to, it's windy, yep. it sucks. So there's that. Moving on to the month of October, though, in this schedule for TCU, uh, you have Houston, which is flexed in the first weekend of October, either the 4th on a Friday or the 5th on a Saturday. That is at TCU. Then you travel to Salt Lake City after the first of two bye weeks. So October 12th is a bye week, and then the Frogs travel to Salt Lake City to play Utah on October 19th. They come home the following weekend on the 26th to play Texas Tech. And that's your month of October right there. Two home games, three conference opponents. I I feel really good about the fact that TCU goes to Utah following a bye week. Yes. I don't yes. know about I you. I think that's huge. But I think, that's, huge I think that's incredibly favorable for TCU to have two weeks to get ready for a, a Utah team that you know just their MO under Kyle Whittingham has always been grind you into a fine powder. And uh, so having two weeks to get ready for that, I think, is really, really great. Yeah. And going then, before weather is probably an issue as well. True. Um, it's also very helpful. Incredibly true. And then you get to to have a battle for the saddle, take the ba- take the saddle back game against Texas Tech the following week. And then you get, get into the month of November. You travel to Waco on November 2nd to take on Baylor and one of the few protected rivalries TCU and Baylor will play every single year. And then you come home for a game against Oklahoma State, the fight in Mike Gundy's uh, featured in the Big 12 championship just a year ago um, with a quarterback who I think is going to be like 25. Um, because Are you sure he's not he's, 35? Not... He might be. He might be Jordy yeah. Sandy's age. Anyways, the Pokes come to town on November 9th, then the second bye week of the year because of the way that the calendar rolls out. Every team gets two bye weeks. TCU's second comes on November 15th before they get ready for Arizona to come to town. So this, uh, look, I I said it was a favorable schedule for a lot of reasons. The fact that you have bye weeks before Utah and Arizona, which in my mind are probably the two hardest games on the schedule next year. Or at least I would have said that about Arizona before the coaching change. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they, um, pretty, they held on to some pretty critical I mean, they, they on their roster. So they, they kept their quarterback, right? They kept the yes. quarterback. You can figure everything else out. But they kept Fafita. That's all you really need. Oh, God. That was good. Okay. That was good. 
um, been a great yes. episode of the Frost Insider podcast. Um, We're only was- 19 <laughs> minutes in. We're only 19 minutes in. I got so much more planned. I, I, this is what happens when Jamie makes the run sheet. Jamie yeah, so makes I need puns. To step back in. Yeah, I need to stay back in. Just step back in. Um, yes, but the the frogs wrap up their their schedule. November twenty third, Arizona comes to town for the final home game of the year. That will be Senior Day, and then they travel to Cincinnati the next week on November thirtieth. That one could be cold. That yeah. one could be a pretty windy, nasty weather game at Cincinnati on November thirtieth. Yeah, but I mean, I agree. I think I think the bye before Utah, the bye before Arizona, those are critical. Having two bye weeks, I mean, for for TCU, it feels like up until you know, I think it was twenty twenty two, right, or twenty twenty, yeah, twenty twenty two, that we felt like we had a bye week in the first month of the season, pretty much annually as a member of the Big Twelve. Uh, to have two and to have them spread out at critical times, I, I think is really really great. Um, that stretch to me of at Utah, Texas Tech at home, at Baylor, uh, Oklahoma State is a really tough stretch of games. Um, Oklahoma State, you know, obviously they they lost some pieces as well, but they bring back kind of the heart and soul of their offense. Um, that's a team that, as you mentioned, played for a Big 12 championship just last season. They're going to be considered probably one of the top teams in the league uh, going into the season. You know, Texas Tech is very unpredictable, but they've certainly been collecting talent. Um, and so you'd expect that they might be a little deeper and stronger this year. And they beat TCU in Lubbock a year ago. Um, Baylor's terrible, but it's still a rivalry game on the road. And um, even we've seen how when these teams are not matched in talent, we still see a lot of those close games. So to me, that's kind of the four game stretch, especially where it hits in the schedule that's going to make or break this season. Um, if you can get to that first bye week, maybe you're what is that six games seven maybe you're five and one maybe you're four and two you hope worst case scenario um to where you're still kind of in the mix for things i think that's super super critical get a bye week regain your composure and then go out and beat like i hope people aren't overlooking utah they had a i know they didn't have a season to their standard last year but they get their quarterback back you know cam rising Mm -hmm. i mean they were literally they were literally starting a pig farmer at quarterback for a good chunk of the season so and he beat usc and he beat USC. Um, so I, I think Utah, if they're not the prohibitive favorite, I'll be shocked um, in the preseason rankings. I think they're going to be very, very good. Um, and so that's kind of where we're going to probably find out, is this TCU team legitimately a contender? Or are we looking at, you know, it's kind of kind of where we were this at that time a year ago as far as what our hopes for the future of the season are. So, um, but overall... I have very few complaints. Uh, I, I think all things considered, this lays out for, it gives TCU a really good opportunity for success. They do a lot more travel than maybe we've seen them do in the past. They leave the state quite a bit more, um, but but you you get to play some some good rivalry games. You get to play, you know, your marquee opponents um, in Utah and potentially Arizona, and you get those bye weeks at really fortuitous times. You really do. I think this is a wonderful schedule for TCU. Uh, looking forward to seeing how the frogs respond to a down year in 2023. Um, I think that uh, a couple of things that I really enjoy besides the bye weeks, the fact that you don't have back-to-back road games where you travel out of state, right? So you talked about the fact that there are a lot of, a lot of out of state games. There are four road games out of state this year. None of those come in back-to-back weeks which is really nice. And the only back-to-back road games that you have on the schedule, one is at SMU. So at least you're still in DFW. Yeah. Um, Yeah. 
so I think that that's really nice. I like that you get, like you said, Central Florida really early before they can maybe gain some steam. Um, and I think you made, a, you made a great point about that four-game stretch from October to early November uh, being a really key key point in the season. But I think this is as favorable as the schedule as TCU's ever had in the Big 12, uh, notwithstanding the fact that Texas and Oklahoma aren't on it, even though Texas was had a losing record against the Horned Frogs in the Big 12. But, um, you know, I think this is a this is a fun schedule. This is a schedule where I think, you know, if I was looking at this as a as a third party person, I'd say, oh, there are a lot of games I would like to just sit down and watch. Uh, and I think you're going to say yeah. that about a lot of Big 12 games this year. Yeah. Like, I want to watch that football game because I, I'm interested in seeing who wins that game because I'm interested in both teams. Um, so I think that's one thing that the Big 12 definitely has going forward in 2024 across the board uh, with some of these really, really cool matchups. Yeah, it, it, you know, you miss the marquee, the flagship, the whatever, but like you said, these are interesting, fun football games. You're going to see, much like we're seeing in basketball, a lot of competitive close games into the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, just a lot of, I mean, there's so many just really fun players in this league next year. The the entertainment value, I think, is going to be off the charts. And uh, I, I think people will find a reason to tune in um, and pay attention to to what the Big 12 is doing. And TCU, I think, will carry a lot of that, uh, kind of be the, the flag bearer in a lot of ways for that. Yep, absolutely. Uh, let's kind of move on uh, to the next thing that we're talking about tonight. Two staffers have departed from TCU football. Neither of them are on the field coaching positions, but they're both pretty important. Um, general manager of the team, uh, you know, you could call him a, a bunch of different things, but uh, I think at, at SMU, he was Sonny Dyke's chief of staff. At TCU, he was the general manager. Anthony Crispino, uh, a guy who's been considered Sonny Dyke's right-hand guy since he started at SMU, uh, is leaving to take a similar role at Nebraska under Matt Rule. Um, this is something I had a chance to catch up with Anthony uh, about a week ago, um, right after the news broke, and there's no like ill will or anything towards TCU. This was just an opportunity that he felt he couldn't pass up on. He's from the Midwest, so I think he's closer to family up there. A uh, really good situation for a guy who uh, is growing a family, which is awesome for him. So super excited for Anthony to get back up to closer to home and, and be in Nebraska. And this is um, an opportunity, I think, internally for some guys who are currently on staff under Sonny to take on some more responsibility. At yeah. least that's what I've kind of been told is, is the plan is I don't think they're going to make an outside hire to fill this role. Um, they've got some, they've got some folks in mind to take on this work. Um, so th- those, those things should, should come about in the next, you know, weeks, month or so uh, as Dykes kind of formalizes some of that. Um, and then uh, the next one just came down on Wednesday is the director of recruiting uh, Aaron Hodges has left to take on the director of player personnel role at Alabama, uh, or maybe it's an assistant director of player personnel, um, something in the player personnel realm though, but he's headed to Bama, which is pretty cool. Um, this is yeah. also not an unexpected move. Uh, TCU was looking to shuffle some things. Um, they had had conversations with several guys, but uh, this was one of those positions where, um, Aaron, I think was, was pretty open with Sonny and the rest of the staff and, um, made his move to Alabama. So there's a director of recruiting position now open as well. This is different from a couple of the other recruiting positions that we see with folks who are, 
responsible for you know like getting things organized when recruits come to campus. So this is a this is more of an eval position. Um, so TCU is looking to fill that now as well. He was also a defensive analyst. He worked with the secondary while he was here. Hodges did so. Uh, two losses to TCU staff after a year um, where there were some other staff shuffles already. So, you know, just kind of add them to the list, I guess, of things that Sonny Dykes is looking to, 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 you know, find a new way forward um, with both of these roles. Yeah. I mean, I think that you always expect staff changes, you know, after an uber successful season in 2022, we saw some of those. And then you also expect staff changes after a subpar season. Um, And of course, you know, the, the ripple effect of some of the coaching movement that we've seen starting with uh, Nick Saban's retirement is still being mm-hmm. felt with staff across the country. And it's really only expected that, that TCU would ultimately kind of have to take one of those uh, hits as well. Um, you know, I think that that hearing from the same voices can get stale and stagnant and it's good for coaches to move on and get new perspectives and it's good for players and programs to bring in new voices too and when you're looking at kind of it it sounds like sunny dykes all offseason has been saying not just we're going to make tweaks and try to get back to what was working in 2022 but we we want to overhaul and be looking forward and so um i think that that the opportunity to you know, do some promoting from within is is a positive in this, but also to to bring in some fresh voices and perspectives alongside your new defensive coordinator and, and some of uh, your new linebacker coach, different things like that could be a positive thing. Um, look, I, you know, I, we've, we've kind of talked about it quite a bit on the podcast is that Sonny Dykes' seat is not hot going into 2024, Mm-mm. but he cannot either have another five and seven season and people be okay with that or not look like he's ready for what's next. Right. And I think that these coaches at these mid tier programs um, in, in the, the big 12 is not the sec or big 10. They're not positioned as such for the future that everybody is looking, not just at the here and now, but how do we best present ourselves for the next iteration of realignment or the next iteration of what college football is. And so it's super important to continuously be moving forward. Um, You wish guys nothing but the best is they also are looking to put themselves in the best position for their future. Um, So I I think that, that this can certainly be a positive, but it's obviously a big loss for TC. I mean, Aaron Hodges was an exceptional recruiter and you know Crispino I, I don't know that anybody knows Sonny Dykes better you know than maybe even Sonny Dykes knows himself after the last what five six years that those two have been together so it's a loss um but it doesn't have to be a negative whatsoever I think it can be a positive for all parties involved yeah I think you said the right word earlier it's an opportunity yeah. and it's an opportunity for for Dykes to show that he is aware and attentive and um yeah, willing to do what it takes to to move forward, um, whether that's losing a, a staffer by a hire somewhere else or or by you know going and kind of forcing a change like he did yeah. on on his coaching staff. So, you know, I, I like you said, you nailed it. I'm not going to re- repeat it. We're already 30 minutes into this show. We're going to keep on moving, yeah, which means forward, right? that I'm going to do this brilliant uh, Hell's Half Acre read right now for our wonderful sponsors over at Hell's Half Acre Stadium Goods. Hell's Half Acre is a brand. That was created with Horn Frog fans in mind, and each item sold makes a direct impact on TCU student athletes. You can go check out all of their TCU gear, from polos and shirts to headwear and home goods, over at hellshalfacresg.com. 
They've got football polos. They've got baseball polos. They've got some of the best hats on the market. Um, everything that you can get from Hell's Half Acre will get you ready for game day. It's the place to go to grab all of the stuff you need. So head over to hellshalfacresg.com. And when you make a purchase, you'll get a little uh, ch- uh, comment box down at the bottom as you're filling that out. Just go ahead and tell us, tell them that the, the folks over at Frogs Insider sent you there. Um, Hell's Half Acre Stadium Goods rocks. I wear their like sp- the new Horn Frog Spit Blood polo at least once a week to work. And I can get polo. away with that because I yeah. always wear like pullovers and stuff, but then I'll take the pullover off and it's like, oh, hey, you wore that shirt last week. Yeah, I only have sh- a limited number of shirts, but also this is a really great one and everyone should go get it. Yeah, agreed. Nailed it. Nailed, nailed that it. ad read. Let's go. Well, you nailed that ad read. You know who else has been Oh, I don't want to say that. I don't don't say it. Don't say it like that. Yeah, I'm going to stop. You know who else has been playing with exceptional quality? (laughs) Nailed it. Um, I'm (laughs) not my right side. Yeah, nailed it. Um, Nailing things. We weren't going to go there. Uh, Man, Jamie, I tell you, TCU basketball is giving me a hope. Feelings? That I don't want to have for a TCU basketball team. Uh, Why? This team is so just inches and a whistle and a free throw away truly from being undefeated in big 12 play it's true I mean, the complete the, the total margin of loss here over the court of their of their losses is what like like six or eight points and three losses. they lost like their three losses they lost to kansas by two iowa state by one and cincinnati by four in overtime so seven yeah. total points seven total points away from being undefeated. And honestly, like, I'm glad that they're not, I don't need that kind of pressure in my life. I don't want to have to think about when the loss is coming. Um, But again, like this, this league, this league, I don't care who you're playing. It's going to come down to the last four minutes of a game. TCU is going to miss free throws with abandon for three of those four minutes and then make all the ones that matter as they did against Texas tech. Um, I was sitting there in sophomore family mass with it on. Don't tell, don't tell my boss. Don't tell my boss. I was sitting there in the back of mass taking photos, doing my job with the game streaming on my phone. Um, and uh, I was just sitting there like, I mean, thank God I was in a holy place. You know, I was yeah, prayer works, prayer. right? <laughs> yeah, whatever it took. Um, but man, like it's it is it is so fun to see these transfers getting up to speed. To see, I mean, I fell in love with Trey Tennyson way back in September. You told me I was gonna love him. You were right. I'm I am I'm fully I'm all in with this man. I will I will follow him into the depths of the sea. I don't care. He's amazing. Um Jameer Nelson has really turned the corner um after a, a little bit of a rough stretch. But it's it's the guys that that you needed to be great that are consistently being great. It's Micah Peavy doing it on both ends of the floor. You know what he did from the three point line against Texas Tech was unbelievable. It's in my career Emmanuel high for Miller, him. career high. Yeah, it's Emmanuel Miller being the dude, right? Like just being the guy. Like his stats aren't blowing anybody off the page because he's doing everything. He's just quietly putting together these very consistent, very impactful nights on both ends of the floor. He and he is just such the glue of this team. But the way that these guys play together, the depth of being able to go 10 guys deep and, and find and mix and match based on opponent and situationally for Jamie Dixon, the fact that he trusts these 10 guys and these 10 guys keep like kind of stepping up into that role, seeing Xavier Court come in and give critical minutes, you know, seeing Jacoby Coles look like Jacoby Coles again. Um, they play with just such a heart and such an energy and such a fluidity. It is beautiful basketball. There's moments, there's moments in the half court, sure. But, but man, um, 
This is a team that can literally play with anybody. They're going to drop some stinkers. I mean, that Iowa State game was just abhorrent, and they still only lost by one. But they certainly have the pieces to make a run or the ability to go out in the first round. I mean, that's that's yeah. where we're at with this team, right? Like, uh, But, it, man, it's, it is really, really easy to want to root for this team to be successful. One of the things that I think – uh, Jamie Dixon has done a really good job of with this squad that he I don't think has had to 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 battle with with previous iterations of the team is convincing 10 guys every single night that the minutes they get are good yeah right because and he said it a couple times throughout the year he said it a lot in fall camp as guys were still kind of vying for starting roles and, and figuring out how they were going to fit into everything he, yeah he uh He's he's basically said, you know, there are guys that that want more minutes. Probably there are guys that are going to want to start that probably aren't going to start. But everyone right now understands the goal. Everyone right now understands that they're that they're a ten deep basketball team legitimately, uh, and that the harder they play, the better that they do at certain things, the more minutes they're probably going to get. And with Jamie Dixon, you always know. A, where you stand as a player, which yeah. I think is really, really uh, a quality um, uh, characteristic to have as a head coach. And Jamie Dixon has it in, in droves. You always know where you stand with him. But he's also incredibly clear about what he wants from you as far as, hey, the he, and he said it so much, the best five defenders will play. That has been what he has said all year. And if you look from the beginning of the year to now, how Trey Tennyson has improved. Like he's been a shooter. The guy's been a shooter for years. He was not a good defender when he got on campus and that was limiting his minutes early on. That's why he wasn't mm -hmm. starting. And then when he started playing competent defense, not elite defense, not great defense, when he it's started playing co terrible. competent yeah. defense in a system that needs you to play competent defense, the minutes skyrocketed. He got a starting gig and now he's, he's dropping 23 on Texas Tech, banking in a three in the eyes of Pop Isaacs late in the game to help seal it, right? Um, every player on this roster right now has a firm understanding of what Jamie Dixon wants from them, what they need to improve on, and they all have an understanding of the minutes will come. Yeah, One way or another, the minutes will come. Jameer Nelson was asked when he got uh, sent to the bench uh, in favor of Avery Anderson in the starting lineup, probably three weeks ago now, how has that impacted your approach to the game? And he said, my minutes are the same, was his response. He said, I'm playing the same number of minutes. And that's really, you know, he's like, but I can't control any of it. I just keep working hard. And so these guys even understand that there's not necessarily value in going and asking for more minutes, going and asking to be a starter, going and asking. And Jamie Dixon has laid it out for you do X, Y, and Z, the minutes will come. And that's such a rare thing in, I'm going to sound like an old man. It's it's a rare thing in this sport right now, in basketball in general, which has become a very individual-centric sport. And it's very easy for it to become that um, with, with the way that certain professionals play the game. And I, as a Mavericks fan, am including Luka Doncic in that. It's also very easy from a, an NIL perspective to say, hey, I get I get paid X. I want my minutes, right? 
you're paying me. Why aren't you playing me? Um, and it's even easier to say, you're not playing me. I'm, I'm going somewhere else because I can transfer how many times I want. And none of those guys have bought into any of those, uh, you know, bear traps at this point. They've not tripped over any of those obstacles. They've all said, we're here. We're committed. We're going to do the thing. And you're starting to see what kind of product that can put on the court. Oh, what a, what a great example for those two freshmen that are redshirting right now too. two guys that are yeah. going to be, I mean, it's going to be necessary that they step up into big roles and they're watching a team of guys who, you know, I, I know they, uh, there was, there was kind of a, a, a nice, it was going around Twitter um, on Trey Tennyson and his journey and, and how he kind of battled to get to this point, how much it means to him. Like these guys that transferred from lower division programs wanted to come and play for championships. And TCU, as weird as it is to say, as the calendar turns to February, is right in the mix for a regular season Big 12 championship. Tons mm-hmm. of basketball left to play. It's not going to be an easy road. They're going to drop some more games, but everything is so compacted that one team getting hot at the right time can certainly put themselves in that number one spot and stay. And TCU is as capable as anybody. I mean, we've seen TCU's already beat Houston. Kansas is struggling. You know, we, we've seen that everybody has a, a weak spot. So it's kind of like a, at this point, like why not? TCU winning the Big 12, and it's because these guys have bought in, like you said, that they understand what they have to do. The communication from the top down is is absolutely just super, super well-oiled machine at this point. They know the expectation. They know what they have to do to get there, um, and they're buying into those roles, even as they change on a game-to-game basis sometimes, um, which is a massive testament to Jamie Dixon and that coaching staff um, and to the character of guys like Emmanuel Miller and Micah Peavy as, as real leaders on this team. Um, so I, I'm, I'm super excited about the next couple of weeks to see the regular, of course, my dog just went and found the loudest toy that he has. That is, <laughs> power. That is it's raining. It's, we are in a, uh, um, atmospheric river once again in Sacramento. So no water tonight. So this is, yeah, this is the thing. So, all that to say, classic um, Sky River, classic Sky Sky River, atmospheric river. Yeah, so I'm super super excited. Um, we do need to talk about one thing though, as we heap praise upon this team. And yes, listen, been a basketball coach for a really really long time. As a coach, there's only so much you can do to get your team better at free throws. It's not like they're not working on them in practice. It's not like they haven't done all the mental stuff. I have no idea why this team just cannot finish at the free throw line until the absolute most desperate moments. Um, But man, Jamie, it's going to cost us a game or two here. It already costs one. I mean, the Cincinnati game really came down to missed free throws at the end. Um, And the Texas Tech game almost uh almost turned around because there there was a critical stretch where they you know nobody could nobody could hit two or two from the line yeah i i go back and forth in my own head about this because on the one hand they're shooting free throws at the best clip of any team under jamie dixon since he's been at tcu which is just just shy of 73 percent another uh, another note at the collegiate level uh, how many teams right now melissa do you think are shooting better than 79% from the free throw line. Since you're asking me, I'm going to guess the number is very low. Give me a guess. 15? Five. Oh. There are five teams in the country okay. that are shooting free throws at a 79% okay. clip or better, and only two of those are above 80. And they're like right at 80. 
TCU is, I think, and this isn't a good number there, but they're like 140th in the country in free throw percentage out of the 350 college basketball teams, which means they are an above average free throw shooting team this year. None of that feels good when Emmanuel Miller misses two free throws with 42 seconds left and the Frogs are only up six. And then Texas Tech comes down and hits a three to make it a one possession game. That doesn't make you feel good in that moment. But the reality of the situation based on the data that we have says TCU is actually an okay free throw shooting team in the context of college basketball. And you're going to have nights where Ernest Uday misses a free throw with two seconds left that would have won the game at Cincinnati. You're also going to have nights like Tuesday night where they made six free throws in the last 27 seconds to ice the game and put it away. You're going to have nights like Baylor where nobody could go two for two, but they went one for one just enough to extend that game to a second overtime before they finally put it away in three overtimes with Jameer Nelson hitting two free throws late, right? And so we think, oh my gosh, what's the storyline going to be? What's the storyline going to be? That Baylor game was so fun to watch on the board because guys, uh, people on the board didn't, Basketball is such an easy sport to get sucked into in the moment yeah. where, oh my gosh, we're down 10 in the second half. This game is toast. We're screwed. This team sucks. It's all over. Oh my gosh. They just went on a 21 to three run. They're winning by seven. Now they were down, but now they're up and oh my gosh, this team's unstoppable. They're going to win the freaking championship. We're going Phoenix. Oh my gosh. We missed two free throws with, with 40 seconds left. We're screwed. We're the worst team. Why don't we ever practice fundamentals? What is coach Jamie Dixon doing? He's terrible. He should be fired. Jacoby Coles ices the game with four free throws in under 14 seconds. He's the greatest player of all time. He needs to be starting again. This is incredible basketball. I love this team, right? Like the emotional roller coaster yeah. of, of basketball is so much different than any other sport because of how quickly everything can happen. And I think if we pull back and do the 10,000 foot view, this basketball team that we get to watch right now in Fort Worth has minimal flaws. Free throw shooting is one of them. And it's, it could, like you said, cost them some games here in the future. It might, but they're also going to win games because they're the best fast break team in the country. Yeah. They're going to win games because they're one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the country. They're going to win games because they have one of the best three-point shooters in the country, right? So you give and you get, and it's not going to always be the perfect basketball team. And Jamie Dixon loves to remind me of this when I ask him questions in midweek press conferences because I tend to ask him about the things that TCU isn't good at. For instance, a couple of weeks ago when TCU was really struggling in the half court, I asked him, hey, Jamie, how are you feeling about where the half court offense is right now. I know it's something that you've said you've wanted to see improvement in. And he goes, well, I see you're not asking about our fast break offense, which is the best in the country. Uh, but then he gave me a really good answer about what they're looking for specifically in the half court. And he also mentioned in that moment, basketball teams can't be good at everything. Yeah, There are the rare instances where they can be right. Like warriors dynasty. Those guys are getting paid a little bit more than TCU's guys, but I think that at this juncture with where TCU basketball is, this is just fun basketball to watch. And it's good basketball to watch that Baylor game in Waco. That was one of the most fun basketball games I've seen live at any level this year. 
It was so fun. The, the strategy that, that Scott Drew and uh, Jamie Dixon were empo- employing, especially in overtime with out-of-bounds plays, what they were calling in half court, it was just incredible basketball. Um, and I, I love that we get to watch that at TCU these days yeah. because of I, what you know, Coach Dixon has done. I think you're right. I think you do have to kind of pull back and take that 30,000-foot holistic view at some points. I think the hard thing for, for fans, casual fans, um, is, you know, those – the numbers overall are really, really good in a lot of areas, but it's like you said, it's easy to get sucked up in the minutia. And the problem is, is this conference is so good. You aren't going to have a 10 point lead with two minutes to play very often in this league uh, Mm -hmm. at home or on the road. And so uh, momentum is so real, I think in basketball in a way that isn't a lot of sports. And so it's not necessarily how many free throws you're missing. It feels like when, and you know, it it does seem like, in some of these close games, there have been a disproportionate amount of misses at critical times for TCU compared to their overall average. But like you said, you can't do everything right all of the time. This team is playing so well in so many areas. They're putting themselves in position to be leading and to be in close games against good teams, both at home and on the road. They've won more than they've lost. Um, they've, they've got a tough schedule the rest of the way, but there's a lot of opportunity Um, to continue to rack up wins Um, right now, you know, as long as they continue to play at the level that they are playing, this is a tournament team and a team that could get the type of draw that could propel, propel them into the second weekend for the first time in school history. I think that, that that's kind of what we need to look at. You, you've got, you know, three wins in a row. You've got a tough one on Saturday against a Texas team that is capable of looking like a true contender in the conference and also like one of the worst teams in the conference on any given day. You never know what you're going to get. Uh, but you've got that that home game before, you know, a really tough one on the road at Iowa State. But there is some opportunity here to, to put themselves in a really good position to be, you know, maybe on that four, five, six seed line um, and, and in position to do something really, really special in March. Um, and, and it's because of all the things that, that you said and, and we've talked about tonight. They they have this is the most complete team I've seen at TCU probably mm-hmm. ever. Um, yeah. And and there, while there isn't a night in night out star to this point, it seems like every night at least one guy has stepped up and kind of worn that cape for the frogs. And as long as that continues, um, this team could win a lot of games. They really could. And I, I want to add just one more thing because I think. One of the things that I've been impressed with about this team is that their mistakes don't compound typically. Mm-hmm. Now you have you have instances where like the first 10 minutes of the Iowa State game, just literally yeah. nothing was going right. People forgot how to dribble in that game. But for the most part, they are able to maintain their composure well enough that even when something goes wrong, they don't try to fix it with their play by overplaying and compounding their mistakes. Two instances from the game on Tuesday night. Fast break opportunity in the second half. Frogs are up by like six. Trey Tennyson takes a pretty ill-advised off-balance three, kind of falling over the three-point line, misses it. Uh, Dixon was furious. Next possession down. Nobody rushes. Nobody tries to do anything crazy. Tennyson has the ball in his hands two times on that possession, Passes it each time, makes the right decision before ball inside to uh, Jameer Nelson on an offensive rebound, gets kicked back out to Tennyson, he hits a three, right? Nobody compounded their mistakes. The next 
uh, or an, a couple times down after that. Jameer Nelson misses a free throw. What happens on the rebound? Texas Tech gets the rebound. Joe Toussaint isn't looking up. Jameer Nelson recognizes that, gets in front of him, draws the charge as he's running. He doesn't even get to half court before Nelson's in front of him, set, and draws the charge. A heady play, didn't try to do too much, recognize the situation. That all stems from Jamie Dixon, that kind of that level of composure. And it goes back to the foul that happened in the last minute of the game against Kansas when every everybody in TCU fandom was losing their mind and they were actively and publicly begging Jamie Dixon to get fined, to blow up the Big 12 refs, to do what Jerome Tang has been doing this week for Kansas State and criticize refs by name, which is not going to end well for him, by the way. Yeah. And it's not setting a good example for his players, by the way, and to be bad. to be that so, to be that petty when you're not yeah. that great. And yes, they've had some extenuating circumstances happen, but still, maybe zip it. Instead, what did Dixon do? We can only he all he talked about after the Kansas game was rebounding. Yeah. We gave up 16 offensive rebounds. We gave up way too many second chance points to give up in a two point loss. We're going to control what we can control. And TCU came out the next week and beat two top ten teams. His composure, his willingness to stay focused and to move on from things that you can't control, I think is impacting this team's composure in a positive way. And I think that that's something that maybe we haven't seen in past iterations of TCU basketball because Dixon has, in the past, gotten after officials a little too much, lost his composure in the middle of games a little too much. We're seeing a different Jamie Dixon this year, and I think that's why we're seeing a different TCU basketball this year. Well, and it helps too that the median age of the roster is like 27 because, you know, Chuck's true. out there at 41. Um, They're all eating kinda, jello together. Yeah, all eating jello together at 4.30. Um, before we kind of button up, uh, or as we button up our basketball talk, move on to, to our, our Twitter question. Um, five and three in conference, 10 yes. games left, five of those games at home. TCU has never finished with a winning record in the Big 12. Barring a meltdown, it's right there on the table. Five and five, what's your record prediction for the last 10 games of the season, the regular season? There are 10 games? 10 games left. Can five I cheat and look at the schedule? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'll, I'll, read okay. them off. I'll read them off to you. Okay? I've got it. I've got it right here. But yeah, okay, read them good. off yeah. for the folks yeah. who are listening. So Saturday versus Texas at home. You go to Iowa State. Then you got West Virginia at home. Back to back Saturday, Tuesday, tight turnaround at Kansas State at Texas Tech. Cincinnati at home. Baylor at home tough stretch at BYU at West Virginia close it out UCF at home I think six and four wow. is kind of where I went yeah. in my head okay. there maybe seven and three six six and four would put TCU at 11 and seven mm-hmm. probably good enough to finish in the top four in the conference I would guess probably probably this year it's probably that because yeah, I mean that's that's probably because I'm gonna pull up the Big Twelve standings here. Uh, six six and four would like right now um, the top of the standing. Kansas State is still at the top of the conference standings, um, but they're really just now starting to get into I think the meat of their schedule. They're at nine and that cannot be right. Oh, that's women's basketball. That's women's there's basketball. Absolutely no way. Uh, Tech, uh, Houston is. six and two, and, and then there are four or five win teams below them. 
Yes, yeah. So so if we look at, at losses here, um, everybody has... Everybody has at, at least, least two, two, I think. Losses, yeah. Everybody has yeah. at least two losses in the conference. Um, and so you've got to assume every, by, the, by the time everything's done, everyone's probably going to have at least four, or maybe very well five would be my guess. I, I bet nobody finishes with less than four losses in this conference. And I would not be surprised if no one has less than five. Yeah, um, no, I, I agree. So, Houston might be the only one because they finally feel like they've gotten their sea legs. Yeah. Um, yeah. but, uh, Hey, TCU's already got that one under their belt. So yeah. shout out to the frogs. Okay. Texas at home, I think is a win at yeah. Iowa state one and one West Virginia here, two and one at Kansas state three and one at Texas tech three and two mm-hmm. Cincinnati here four and two. This is where it gets really tricky. Yeah. This is a toss up Baylor at home. is a toss up, right? Baylor here. I think TCU takes it. Ooh, sweeping Baylor. Yes. Be huge. At BYU, I think BYU takes that. Yeah. So that's uh, five and three. West Virginia, TCU has never won in Morgantown. Never won in Morgantown. And this game is at West Virginia. So this is where you think, okay, do they finally get over that hump against a West Virginia team that hasn't been good this year, but is getting better now that they're getting guys back? Or is it still another loss? I'm going to say that that one's maybe a loss. So they're five and four right now. And then UCF at home to finish out the regular season, six and four. That's how I got there. I'd be ecstatic at six and four out of this last 10. I don't even care where the six come from. Right. But, but it could be four and four, six. It could be three and yeah, seven. We have really no could. way of knowing. You have no way. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, getting to me, this season is unequivocally a success. If TCU finishes above 500 in big 12 play, um, mm-hmm. this conference is so stacked and so evenly matched i mean like that we just are not seeing a ton of blowouts this year um everybody is capable of bringing it on any given night so i'd I'd be very very happy with uh with six and four down the stretch i'd be fine with five and five um seven and three and we're talking about maybe being a two or three seed going to the big 12 tournament um which potentially makes tcu a top five seed in march and that would be unimaginable you know who is seeing a lot of blowouts right now our good friend Shahan Raja, who just had his first Yes, kid. he is. Wow, that was a good one, JV. Uh, we're going to make sure we're we back. put that and tag Shahan on, uh, on social for that one. Wow. Absolutely. That was, good. That was yep. Hey, Melissa, wow. let's get into our, our, our Twitter thing here. Um, so we were having a chat in the group chat, as, as, as you do. As we do. And yeah. uh, the conversation came up about... Mount Rushmore for TCU men's basketball. So I just threw the question out on Twitter, said, quote, tweet this with your TCU men's hoops, Mount Rushmore trying to see something. What I was trying to see is your answers. So that's really that. Uh, Shout out to everyone who didn't quote tweet, but just replied to the tweet. Um, I love your efficiency. Um, But here are some of the the main names that came up, Melissa. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to compile... Uh, uh, the bulk of the names that we saw uh, and then we're going to have to try and figure out what our four would be. Yeah. Okay. okay. So um, obviously James cash is on that list, right? Yeah. uh, So many people listed him. Uh, So many people listed Kurt Thomas. So many people listed D Bain. A lot of people, including Mike Miles himself, I listed Mike it. Miles. I love that Mike Miles put himself on the Mount Rush. He hopped you know? right into my mentions and yes, said, me. Did. That was the first yes, one. Me, D-Bane, Kurt, and Kenrich Williams is another one. Hard to Had argue. A lot of, 
a lot of his numbers getting retired on Saturday. Kenny Hustle, we're putting him on the list. And then some other ones that I've I I was um, surprised weren't named more. Um, Lee Nalen was one. Darrell Browder, leading scorer in program history, right? Yeah, it's a good one. Who else? Let's see. Um, Paul and uh, shout out to Paul and uh, who's yeah, a loyal uh, poster uh, on Horn Frog yeah. Blitz, who said Dixon, Bain, Kenrich, and Kobe Bryant because it's always Mamba season. Always Mamba. Season. Um, shout out to him. Let's see. Uh, who were you gonna say? Uh, <clears throat> uh, just uh. Uh, oh, Santee got mentioned. Yeah, mentions. yep. Corey Santee got mentioned. Uh, James, James, uh, James Penny. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm reading. I'm reading through. Um, there were a lot of modern guys that we love, but kind of prisoner of the moment. Um, you know, like we love Trey Tennyson, but he's not on mm-hmm. Mount Rushmore TCU basketball yet. Uh, we love Damian Bob, but I don't know that he makes the the Mount Rushmore. Um, did not see nearly as much uh, Kean Anderson love as I expected us to get, which was a little bit of a bummer. I got to love that guy. Um, I, I, he's on my he's on my unofficial rush. Yeah, board. he's he's on he's on he's my on Hoopers like my rush board. He yeah. and Alex Robinson Hooper. are the two heads on my TCU Hoopers Mount Rushmore. Yeah, yeah, but it, it, it was fun to see. I mean, I think you know TCU basketball doesn't necessarily have a much of a much of a history. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's been True. a lot more down years than than good. Um, and this is a program that's never made a Sweet Sixteen. Um. So it, it was fun to kind of take that little walk through memory lane and, and remember that we do have some pretty elite players that have that have come through here. You know, obviously our our four uh, pros um, all deserve recognition, um, but I don't think it's as easy as just naming those guys. And I think there's some pretty good arguments to be made for some of these recent elite players. I agree. So I think where we can start this is by crossing off any current members of yeah. the team. Yeah. Right. Like if your career's not over yet, I'm sorry, but you can't be on Mount Rushmore. Yeah. So no Micah PV, no Trey Tennyson, no Emmanuel Miller for now. If you want for to put now. them on next year, go for it. That leaves us with these are all names that were listed Aaron Curtis, Big Bad Vlad, Jamie Dixon, which I think is a really intriguing one. Yeah, Lee that's, a, that's a tough one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lee Nalen, Darrell Browder, Corey Santee, James Penny, Damian Ball, Kean Anderson, Alex Robinson was on there. He didn't mention himself. He mentioned the guy who he passed in assists, mm-hmm. Corey Santee, uh, for the all-time lead. Kenny Hustle, Mike Miles, D-Bain, Kurt Thomas, James Cash. Okay. Um, of those names, Melissa, who for you has to has to has to absolutely be on Mount Rushmore. I mean I can I can I take the can I take well maybe I'll start with the easiest one. I'm going James Cash. Okay. I, I just I think that you know when you think of of Mount Rushmore and that it's not necessarily the best, right? Like that's a subjective thing, but it's it's who lays the foundation for your program. And not only was he an unbelievable player, but unequivocally change i've used unequivocally twice on this podcast what am i doing? nailing it um uh nailing it lee nailing it 
Um, God, the silence is deafening. The silence well, is deafening. People listen to this. I just, I don't know. Uh, they've probably sense. checked out at this um, point. If, oh, anyway, James, so James Cash has a statue. Like he's yeah. already halfway to Rushmore. Yeah. Status. Like that's my thing. The dude's got a statue for a reason. Put him on Mount Rushmore. Okay. I think the one that I have to put on here is one that a lot of people left off, but it just, in my mind, doesn't make sense because he was so good in college and he's had the best NBA career of any TCU player ever. And you can debate whether or not pro status matters. I don't think that I, I can see it both ways. In my mind, if you have someone who is not only performing well collegiately while they're here, but also extending the brand of TCU basketball into the professional world, then you got to talk about Kurt Thomas as yeah. being the dude who was the only one who had done that in the NBA for so long at the level that he did it. I mean, he was in the league for 14 years, maybe longer than that. And so Kurt Thomas is one that I think has to be yeah. on Mount Rushmore. Melissa, that means we've got two spots left. Would you like me to read the names again? Yeah, let's go over time. <laughs> Vladimir Brodzianski, Desmond Bain, Mike Miles, Kenrich Williams, Aaron Curry, Jamie Dixon, Lee Nalen, Darrell Browder, Corey Santee, James Penny, Damian Baugh, Kian Anderson, Alex Robinson. So I'm going to take the one that I want to take and leave you with the really impossible choice of making the Here, let's one. do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. No, Instead of no, just filling I want to the holes. No, the easy way no. for me. Eliminate a name. Okay. Eliminate two names. Eliminate two names. I'll read them one more time. Okay. Vlad, Vlad, Bain, Miles, Kenny Hustle, Aaron Curry, Jamie Dixon, Lee Nalen, Darrell Browder, Corey Santee, James Penny, Damian Baugh, Kean Anderson, Alex Robinson. I'm gonna I'm gonna eliminate Damian Baugh. Okay. And I'm gonna elim am I eliminating two? Yep. Sorry, A Rob, you gotta go. Love you, man. Oh, All time leader okay. and assist, but but yeah, man, he's gotta go. I thought he would last longer. Okay. I did too. I'm gonna take off James Penny. And I'm going to take off Aaron Curry. Um, Sorry, Aaron, I've been saying Aaron Curry, Aaron Curtis. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I don't know who Aaron Curry is, um, but I was just going with it. Um, I, I think we got to get rid of. All right. Vlad, D-Bane, Mike Miles, Kenny Hustle, Jamie Dixon, Lee Nalen, Darrell Browder, Corey Santee, Kean Anderson. Eliminate one. Uh, I'm going to get rid of Browder. Sorry. The leading score. I know, I know, but Ooh. very different time. Ugh. I know. Okay. For context, folks, Emmanuel Miller crossed the thousand point threshold at T as a TCU player this year in his third season with the team. He is 33rd all time in scoring. Yeah. I know. I don't feel good okay. about it. All right. I'm going to eliminate one. And it's going to make everybody upset. I'm going to eliminate Vlad Brodzianski. I'm going to take him it's off fair. the list. Yeah, I think it's fair. It's tough. He's great. Love him. But yeah. Yes. Um, All right. So we have five names left for two spots. Okay. Okay. So we have Desmond Bain. Sorry. We have. Did you eliminate Kean Anderson? No, I didn't want to. I know he needs to. Go okay, so I'm sorry. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We have seven names left for two spots. We're each going to eliminate one more. Desmond Bain, Mike Miles, Kenny, Kenny Hustle, Jamie Dixon, 
Lee Nalen, Corey Santee, or Kean Anderson? I So this is where I'm going to eliminate Kean Anderson, who per, is on my personal probably Mount Rushmore of guys that I've watched play basketball for TCU. Um, but it, it's not his fault that he played during the worst era of CCU basketball that I've ever seen. The dude was an absolute bucket. But... He was a fiend. He was a fiend. As I've already um, but, said, he is on my Hoopers list. Yes. Hoopers Rushmore. Yeah, he's not He's not on the TCU basketball Mount Rushmore, unfortunately, for me. Okay. I... Man. I am going to eliminate Kenny Hustle. Ooh. That is the one I am going to eliminate next. Here's why wow. I... Here's why I'm eliminating him instead of Corey Santee. It was down to the two of them. I think that the style of game that Kenny Hustle played in was the front end of the very athletic 3 and D wing where you had centers that were relatively immobile who were not going to be stretch defenders who struggled with long rebounds and hustle plays. And you had a guy like Kenny Hustle coming in and just mopping the floor with some with some guys at the college level. He has made himself into an incredibly valuable NBA player with the skill set of three and D to the point where there were the, the Thunder were fielding trade offers for him like crazy last year. Then you look at his stats and you're like, well, he's averaging like five points and three boards a game. Why would people be trading for him? Because he's a he's a dog. He's That's dog. why. I'm eliminating him instead of Corey Santee because I think that to uh, rebounding is a self-contained stat in a lot of ways. To be a good rebounder, you have to go and get the basketball. You got to box out. You got to do some other stuff. To be one of the best assist men in the history of a program, that is so incredibly dependent on your teammates making shots. So how good of looks are you creating for your teammates, right? And I think in order to be an incredible point guard, which TCU has seen a ton of over the years, crazy enough, one of the key things is creating opportunities for your teammates. And Corey Santee did that better than almost anybody else in the program. So that's why I'm leaving him on the list and I'm taking off Kenny Hustle. You're, you're getting rid of the guy who's getting his jersey retired this weekend. I, mean, I am. Yeah. I don't feel good about it. I'm just yeah. saying that it's happening. So we have five names left for two spots now. So can we can we all agree, or both of us agree on one of the two spots? Are, are we both in agreement that Desmond Bain goes on Mount Rushmore? Well, I don't know. I guess we're just going to have to let the chips fall. Oh, so we're going to keep doing this where they may. Way. You have the third spot, Melissa. Of these five names, Desmond Bain, Mike Miles, Jamie Dixon, Lee Nalen, and Corey Santee. Who are you putting on Mount Rushmore? Desmond Bain. And I'm okay. going to be I, like, contextually, I can't tell you if he is one of the four best players to ever play for TCU basketball. But I can say, taking into what the game is today and how important having a highly paid, very successful all-star caliber player who unfortunately would have been an all-star this year if he hadn't gotten hurt, um, guy representing TCU makes him a pillar of this program for the foreseeable future. So I, I think a, his story, his ability, some of the wins he was a part of taking TCU to the tournament, 
um, and and just having some of those kind of all time classic moments. I think I think Bane is my is my number three on the on the Mount Rushmore. Okay, that leaves us with one spot left: Mike Miles, Jamie Dixon, Lee Nalen, and Corey Santee. Hmm. You've been aping for a guy here, casually. I have been aping for Corey Santee. Is it is it just I, is it just because you can you want him to listen and and just give you just even more? <laughs> I love Corey Santee. I don't need to suck up to Corey He's Santee. The best. He's, He's the such best. a good guy. I'm gonna put Jamie Dixon on Mount Rushmore. Whoa! And here's why. Okay. It means one thing to come into a program as a player and have an impact for one to maybe three or four years. I think it means something totally different to come in as a coach and resurrect a program that was no other way about it, a bottom feeder in college basketball. TCU basketball was abysmal. TCU basketball was going nowhere. TCU basketball had been wandering in the desert for almost its entire existence. Outside of a couple of years when Jamie Dixon was a player and they managed to battle for some of the top of the standings in the Southwest Conference. For him to come back and not only resurrect a program to where we're talking about it going to the NCAA tournament for the third time in a row, which would be the first time in program history that they've done that. But we're talking about a coach who came in and in the first year, Four years removed from TCU going 0-18 in Big 12 play, in his first year, he won the NIT. Yeah. And people can say, oh, it's the NIT, whatever, it doesn't matter. It mattered to it that mattered team. So much. It mattered to kids like Brandon Parrish. It mattered to kids like a freshman Desmond Bain. It mattered to so many kids on that roster who had been through hell, not winning. Uh, TCU basketball won six Big 12 games before Jamie Dixon got here. I'll have my, and I, it's hanging right up next to my Look at that. Yeah. Look at that team. I mean, that team. Was... Name some of the kids on that team. Oh, man. Jalen Fisher, Alex Robinson, Brandon Parrish. Um, uh, J.D. Miller was on this team. Uh, Kenny Hustle was on this team. Dal- Dalton, uh, Dalton Dry. I mean, come on. Shout out to Dalton Dry. That was a roster that was actually pretty decently talented. Shout yeah. out to Trent Johnson. RBR Shepard. Yeah. Look. Jamie Dixon came in and in year one convinced those guys of something. I don't know what it was. They figured out how to play good basketball. They believed. And they won the NIT. Yeah. We're here in year eight now, and we just talked about the possibility of TCU being as high as a four seed in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. I don't know if Jamie Dixon is ever going to win a national championship. I don't know if Jamie Dixon's ever even going to get TCU to the Sweet 16. I don't know. But what I do know is that he has had an immense and profound impact on the program itself, and that I and I don't know if anyone else could have done it at all. Yeah, we have so many instances of coaches not being able to do it, and he came in and the turnaround was almost immediate. And in every single year since, the floor has been raised, and the floor has been raised, and the floor has been raised. And now look at how they're recruiting, not only in high school, but they had the number three transfer portal class this last offseason. Jameer Nelson Sr. 
called Jamie Dixon the day Jameer Nelson Jr. entered the portal and said, I want my son to play for you. Yeah, that's incredible. That's a decade and a half NBA vet who wanted his son's future in Jamie Dixon's hands. Jamie Dixon has had a profound impact on TCU basketball. I don't care what the future results are. He's on Mount Rushmore. That's my yeah. pitch. I, I think I think if you are including his coaching career, then he's a no doubter for that fourth and final spot. Um, I, yeah, I have no I have no argument there. Some great players. I think it's important for us throughout the dark times and the good times to remember that TCU has not always had great teams, but they've had some really great players, and it is it is certainly fun to to debate these points. Jamie, you know what else is fun? What's fun? Getting a box from Home Field Apparel in the mail. I also am wearing a home field shirt. Uh, some of the softest t-shirts, hoodies, uh, joggers, pullovers, bomber jackets, everything. Uh, home field apparel has the best TCU gear and gear of your favorite colleges and universities from across the country. Um, you are often wearing your big sky hoodie during recording of the Frogs Insider podcast. I am right now. Why would you not? Um, I was on a retreat last week, which for me, Number one meant I got to wear free dress. And when I tell you, the kids mocked me incessantly because literally every single day was a different home field apparel TCU hoodie. One kid came up to me because I was wearing a TCU home field apparel hoodie, TCU joggers. And she said, is TCU playing today? Like, no. She's like, then what's with what? And I was like, why not? So that kid needs to fail. Or at least have some in in school suspension. We we, we had a, we had a come to Jesus moment with Good. with her. I, listen, this is a kid that's designed to be a D one uh, swimmer at a ma- major university, so I really can't talk crap to her. Like it's fine. Yeah, you can. <laughs> Failer. Yeah, done. See if she keeps that scholar yeah. right. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> talking trash about home field apparel. What are we Ooh. even doing here? Not talking trash about home field apparel. Just really talking trash about me, which is par for the. Oh, course. that's a different story altogether. That's I do that yeah, frequently. that's perfectly acceptable. Yeah. Um, we encourage you guys to check out hopefieldapparel.com and um, use the code frogs in 15 to save 15% off your first purchase, 10% off of your all subsequent purchases, uh, frogs, F R O G S I N one five, uh, to save at homefieldapparel.com. Check out TCU gear, check out all of the other great colleges and universities. We are in college acceptance season, also college rejection season. Ooh. Um, Hopefully um, you guys have some kids or some family friends or different people in your life. Maybe they're getting accepted to different colleges. I know that as my students make their decisions, I will be buying some home field apparel gear um, as graduation gifts for some of those kids. I really wish they would stop choosing schools like Michigan. It's really upsetting to me, but also I can't really be upset when they get into good schools and decide to go there. I guess it's fine. Part of part of the job, you know, you got to look past your own, but Hey, I, TCU, I am sending you so many awesome kids this year. So many awesome. Like, I'm patting myself on the back for giving, yeah. uh, sending a lot of awesome troopies to Fort Worth in the fall. So get excited about that. And buy a lot of home field apparel to celebrate. Buy a lot of home field apparel to celebrate. Melissa, I'm going to retcon a little bit. Okay. I'm going to call an audible here because we're at about an hour 20 so long to listen to us talk we're gonna get back on our normal recording schedule next week i promise because i won't be sick next week i can guarantee that which you means that we'll talk about that but please try your best because i'm gonna guarantee you, it okay. i will not be sick on monday night when we record next week and that's when we'll talk about tcu baseball kicking off practice we're gonna talk to i want to talk about uh, Mickey McCarty. Google that name, Mickey mm-hmm. McCarty, between now and next episode because I want to talk about this dude. He's a name that came up in the Mount Rushmore conversation on social media today. 
Uh, and we're going to dive into some other stuff as well, because there will be basketball games between now and then. Kenrich Williams is having his number retired between now and then. We're going to talk about all of it on the next episode of Frogs Insider. But for right now, make sure that wherever you get your podcasts, you go and you search Republic of Football Network, hit that subscribe button. Search Frogs Insider, hit that subscribe button. Listen to every single episode. It really helps us out. And maybe share the episodes with a friend, uh, because we're trying to be one of the biggest TCU podcasts out there. We want to be in every frog fan's ears uh, and just liking this, liking the podcast and sharing it with a buddy really, really helps us out. So until next time, she is Melissa Trebowasser. I am Jamie Plunkett. Go frogs. Go frogs.